When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've been teasing this for the last hour. Two very special guests in studio, um, two very inspirational guests as well. I said you can text through your questions here on double eight, double three. Uh, Gareth Lynch and Brad Smaler. Uh, they are here because uh, on Sunday, uh, this Sunday at 11pm New Zealand time, the biggest world run is going to take place, the Wings for Life world run. And uh, we are looking, and they are looking to... Uh, Raise awareness and funds as well for spinal cord research. So uh, a great pleasure to welcome into the studio both Gareth and Brad. Gentlemen. Thanks for having us. In. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, awesome stuff. Now, look, I know you, you've probably shared it a million times. Uh, I've heard a couple of podcasts as well. Your story has certainly gone out far and wide, but there'll be a lot of people listening this afternoon who probably haven't heard your, your backstory. So why don't we just fill everyone in on, on sort of your guys' journey. Maybe start with you, Gareth, on your life up until this point and how it sort of all panned out. Yeah, absolutely. I was a university student uh, about six years ago and having a, a bit of a sporty full-on life. I was doing board sports whenever I could, surfing, skating, snowboarding, and I was undertaking a stunt to get on a university social club executive and my self-designed stunt was jumping off a roof into a, a swimming pool and I jumped a little bit too far and when I landed in the water, my momentum carried me into the side of the pool where I broke my neck and since that point, I've uh, damaged my spinal cord and, and now I'm a, a tetraplegic with uh, paralysis and loss of sensation affecting pretty much my chest down and parts of my arms and fingers. Mm. And uh, Brad, she asked quickly what what you've been through. You're, you're probably a bit more well known. Some of these people out here were texting in saying they uh, they followed you as a as a junior wakeboarder. So yeah, tell us a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. So I was into wakeboarding. Got in at a young age, at about twelve years old, and um, sort of outgrew the New Zealand scene quite quickly. And left school a year early. Took off to the US and immersed myself in it with the the goal of being you know one of the top pro wakeboarders in the world and. Won a junior world title that year um, and then, you know, pretty much went 10 years back-to-back summers from then on and um, to the point where I was managing a team training facility of two private lakes and I think it was 210-acre property in, uh, in Florida. And we had a mega ramp, so kind of the, the sport was uh, evolving, uh, so it was no longer just behind a boat and so you could have cable systems and stuff pulling you so that meant you could have multi-level setups and you know kind of we, we basically were using a mega ramp setup so similar to your freestyle motocross um, setup where you got the big landing ramp but this one was floating on the lake and I was going for a, a double backflip variation that I was the first person in the world to land um, it was a double backflip to blind so blind 180 and I'd landed it once and then was trying to get it on film again for a movie and um, bailed out at the wrong time and went headfirst into the landing ramp and broke my C4 vertebrae. Um, yeah, ended up a quadriplegic straight away or tetraplegic, same thing basically. And um, 
yeah, lost all movement from the sh- shoulders down, and and yeah, it's been almost nine years now, and um, been just adjusting to life as a quadriplegic. I did everything I could physically in terms of rehab to try to get the movement back, and not you know nothing really came back. So um, that's where I started focusing on the research, and that's where we come to what the Wings for Life um, mm. Foundation are doing, and really honing in on the research, and that's what this. Wings for Life World Run is all about is is driving um, funding for that critical research that might be able to get my arms moving or you know get me and Gareth out of a out of a wheelchair sometime. Mm. Anyone else who suffers a spinal cord injury? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to to more about it as well. The research too. Um, maybe I'll get it from both of you, but I'll start with you, Brad. Um, give us a sense, I guess, just of of initially. I mean, you said you've been living it for, with it for eight years now, but just I guess that initial period of you know, the, the accident when you found out and I guess just how tough that period of your life was. It was about as dark as I could, you know, or darker than I could imagine life getting before that happened. I'd never thought um, I would end up in a situation where I kind of didn't want to continue living. And it was just, obviously I'd put so much importance on my physical ability and that was what I built my my life and my career around. And um to lose all of that felt like I'd lost myself and felt like the Brad that I knew died. Um, and yeah, it took obviously a lot of support from friends and family and the Wakewood community and then everyone for me to turn that attitude around. And it was just basically from there I decided I was, it was more stubbornness and I was going to prove the doctors wrong. Um, they didn't know how hard I could work and how motivated I was and all of that. So they gave me a one to two percent chance of ever gaining upper limb function. They didn't even mention walking again. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, you know, it was it was just tough. You you feel like you lose just such a giant piece of yourself, and um, and I guess you know we all build a lot of our uh, identity around our physicality and what we can do and how we look and all that sort of stuff and. Um, yeah, so it, it, it took a lot of work mentally to kind of overcome that. Mm. The you mentioned that you were doing it the the stunt for a second time uh, on video. Have you watched it? Yeah, so we got the got the crash and like ultra high definition, super slow mo, like oh. as gnarly as you can possibly imagine. And I've watched it plenty of times now to the point where it doesn't affect me at all. And Initially, it was always like, oh, why'd you do that? Why'd you back out then? Why didn't you change it this way? Mm. And um, Just regrets and everything. And it's just, you know, you, you get to a point where you learn that that doesn't really get you anywhere and mm. um, got to accept and move on and, and just do what we can do with what we got. Mm. Gareth, you uh, sounded like you were a bit of a stump man, for, you know, leading up to the incident as well. So, um, yeah, I guess for you, what, were that, what was that initial period like? Yeah, so I guess I had built my identity on on the things that I did and being uh, active and and involved in in the things that I love doing. And very much like Brad, once I could no longer do those things and I'm sitting in hospital realising I'm no longer the same person I thought I was in terms of my functionality, what I can do, it was a real identity crisis who am I now? What does it mean? All the the things and the activities that I'd built my life on, now I wasn't sure if they were relevant, where my future would go. And yeah, it was a, a really dark space to be in that 
not knowing, wanting to rewind the clock, anything to change the situation. But after time, yeah, you realize it's a bit out of your control. Unfortunately, spinal cord injuries are one of those things that, like all my other injuries that I'd had before, like broken bones, they heal. But yeah, there's there's not usually uh, for for those of us that, that don't get any functional recovery back. It's a bit out of our control. Mm. And that was just something I had to had to accept to get out of that dark self destructive thought process that mm. was making me very unhappy and, and and like Brad not wanting to continue that way. Yeah. So I mean both of you, you know, similar I guess um emotions, reactions when the incident happened and now that you've I guess dealt with it for so long, and you've come to the uh, the, the areas that you are at emotionally, mentally. When you come across people that have gone through something similar, what sort of things do you try and say to them, given your experience, to I guess help them through their their dark time? Yeah, usually when we're seeing, uh, I, I get to see a few people in the uh, Auckland Spinal Unit because uh, I I'm uh, involved in wheelchair rugby, and that's where we train. So get to catch up with a, a number of, of freshly um, injured people and mm, there's no magic words that you can say to change their mind on the spot but uh, you can plant some seeds that over time they might start to acknowledge and, and help them accept their situation and, and figure out how they can best move forward but uh, the the best advice that I think I was able to, to take on board was there's only so much in, in life that is in, in your control and what I can no longer do with my body is unfortunately out of my control and so there's there's not too much point in kicking myself or, or getting upset at, at that fact because I can't change it. So mm. that just enabled me to, to, to switch my, my attention and focus onto the things that, that I could still do. It is a bit of a... It's a grieving process, right? For it's the same sure. as lose, losing a loved one or something like that. It's losing that piece of yourself. And as Gareth said, you know, there's no magic words to say. Um, I'm a sort of volunteer peer support worker as well for the spinal unit. So I do go there as well and, and meet um, people who have had new injuries. And, and I think for me, my approach, because I, when I was in the spinal unit, I didn't want someone in a wheelchair coming in and telling me that life was going to be okay. Because mm. I'm like, you don't know my life. You don't. You haven't lived the life I lived. You don't know my situation. So I keep that in mind when I go into those conversations. And for me, it's it's more just sharing my experiences and what I'm up to now. And, go, you know, it's kind of taking away that idea that, you know, you'll never have any fun anymore or, you know, uh, women won't be attracted to you. You won't have relationships. You won't have sex. You won't have all these, you know, adventure, all these things that I thought were just gone and wouldn't, I was never going to get to have again. So I go in and I share stories about, hey, I'm like, I go free diving now. <laughs> like I, you know, I've had girlfriends, I've fallen in love with, you know, there's there's been like all of these fears that I had initially, the majority of them have all been disproven along, along the way. So it's, it's just kind of, yeah, planting that little bit of reassurance that, you know, there, there is still hope. There's, you know, work as hard as you can to get the movement back because you never know what you can get back naturally. And then, um, but yeah, there's there's still so much opportunity and so much that we can do that I think it's just 
yeah, just kind of easing that fear a little bit in, in their minds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing now. So um, for you, Brad, you mentioned free diving. I imagine when you sort of are competing at such a high level, you must still have that sort of adventure, that competitiveness in you. So, yeah, yeah what have, I guess, what's your, what's your journey been like post-accident? What are you sort of doing now and how are you scratching, you know, some of those itches? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always liked to challenge myself and I found found freediving through basically being told, no, you can't go scuba diving. Because um, I was, you know, when, initially when I was in this sort of depression stage, I was focusing on, on everything I couldn't do, everything I'd lost, yada, yada, yada. But then in, in order to switch that around, it's like focusing on, okay, what can I do? What do I have? What am I grateful for? Um, and so, yeah, I was like, oh, a couple of things. I want to go skydiving and scuba diving. And the scuba dive doctor said, no. Nope. He's <laughs> um, like, oh, you know, the medical risk from breathing compressed gas underwater causes nitrogen, blah, blah, blah. All I heard was breathing compressed gas underwater. So I was like, what if I hold my breath? And then obviously he was like, well, you realize you can't swim. I'm like, thank you, but I'll figure that out. Um, so, but that has just brought so much like progression back into my life. Like, Cause I, you know, I, I realized that with wakeboarding, you know, failure was a part of the process. Crashing every day was part of the process. It was, it was something that I was missing and missing being able to, being able to push myself in, in that high level. So yeah, holding my breath again and, you know, got to the point of five minutes, 45 seconds in my record. And, wow. Um, and I've been freediving up at the Poor Nights and in some springs over in, in Florida. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to kind of look into and change that mentality around, okay, I can't do anything. There's nothing possible for me. It's like, well, clearly freediving is not the most obvious thing for a quadriplegic <laughs> to do. But with the help of my friends and, and some experienced people that I've kind of leaned on, um, you know, they're the ones that take me down and they bring me back up. And mm. um, so there's a lot of like amazing camaraderie as well. So mm. that's, yeah, that's just one of the things I've kind of thrown myself into. Um, another one was writing an autobiography. I never, I was never any good at English or um, it was never any, ever something that was on my radar. And then I was kind of presented the opportunity and they said they could give me a ghostwriter. And I was like, no, nah, I might do this myself. Um, so yeah, that's been part of the journey over the last five or six years as well. Yeah, awesome, Gaff. I will get to you very, very shortly. I did just want to ask you though, Brad. You were mentioning there, um, free diving back over in Florida it made me think the wakeboarding community. I guess after your accident, you would have you know, heavily involved with that. You would have had a lot of you know mates that still do wakeboarding. I guess how did they respond to the accident? Did you feel like? You lost a couple of them. They've been really supportive. What? Did it, how did that sort of take shape? Um, I mean, I didn't really lose any mates that were the real ones, anyway. You know, that obviously all stuck around. I had amazing support from um, the Wakewood community, from my team, um, and there was a little bit of like, you know, the whole mega ramp side of wakeboarding. Sort of, they pumped the brakes on that a little bit. Obviously, you know, I was the first person in professional wakeboarding to break their neck wakeboarding mm. um, and then it happened to someone else a couple of years after the me uh, after me um, a friend named Ben Leclerc and yeah so it, it spooked people obviously the limits are getting pushed people are stepping things up more and more and um, so yeah there was there was that but in terms of support it's just been yeah it's been ongoing uh, even now when I'm posting things about the world run 
and getting all my buddies and my teammates over there. I started, you know, they're signing onto the team and they're reposting stuff. And so they've always been really supportive. And it's um, just a cool thing about, uh, yeah, that journey and being a pro wakeboarder. Mm, awesome. Um, Gareth, now you are part of the Wheel Blacks, which is awesome. I love watching um, the Wheel Blacks. I even think I saw a photo of you alongside Sam Kane in a wheelchair. I've never tried to do it. I've had mates who have tried to do it. And all I think about is people's hands. You know, it seems quite physical. It seems really physical, these sort of wheelchairs banging into each other. But tell me how, I guess, that came onto your radar, how you decided you wanted to give that a crack and how it sort of progressed from there. Yeah, so when I was in the rehabilitation hospital, I got approached by one of the guys who was also had a spinal cord injury and he played wheelchair rugby and his role as a life coach, he encouraged me to, to come down, check it out, see what it was all about. And so uh, I, yeah, rolled over to the Canterbury training when I was based down there, still at university, and they uh, they got me in a chair and I could hardly push around and I was <laughs> so slow, and which was very frustrating as someone who had a bit of a sporting background and, and loved to compete and 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 win but I when I started I could hardly make it a difference at all to the game because my my use of my arms is is relatively limited from my injury uh there's a a range of people from those that play that have almost their entire upper body function and and then those that have relatively high disabilities and and loss of function so we all get classifications and and that determines kind of our role on court but yeah, getting getting involved and in, and in figuring out I could still play a form of sport again. It was uh, a big turning point in my life and a game changer. It also allowed me to be surrounded by uh, a lot of other people who had gone through similar experiences to me, who had similar spinal cord injuries, and from there I was able to learn a whole lot of life skills that maybe might have taken years or or maybe I never would have un- been able to unlock on my own in terms of getting little bits and pieces of independence back slowly and incrementally. So it right from that um, introduction of the sport, I was yeah on a, on a different trajectory in, in terms of how my life was able to pan out and how I was able to yeah, f- figure out that it's, it's not all as, as doom and gloom as I thought it might have been. And yeah, just being involved in taking the sport seriously for a number of years has has yielded some some pretty amazing opportunities to play with the fantastic team the World Blacks and the the great uh culture and and camaraderie mm. camaraderie we we share as a team it's yeah it's been a, a privilege to to go over to some some major competitions over the last couple of years and I, I love it Paralympics in 20 in Tokyo you went over to that one yeah yeah that's yeah. right yeah, yeah that was uh, postponed a year to 2021 but yeah we had that one and and last year we had the world champs in in Denmark nice so those were some pretty major events and it was yeah uh, an incredible privilege to play at the at the highest level uh, against the top wheelchair rugby athletes in the world and I didn't think I would have ever done anything like that if I if I didn't have a spinal cord injury. So mm. it's it's been a a big big part of my post injury life. Mm. Where do the um, wheel black sort of sit internationally? Are we competitive? Uh, are there and what like who's the top? Who's the top of wheelchair rugby? I'll I'll start by saying yes, we are okay, we are nice. competitive, <laughs> but um, I'll preface that that 
the top eight is is a really tight pool. The right. top eight teams in the world, but the there's a lot of um, uh, professional and uh, the the top teams. Pretty much everyone above us have uh, quite significantly more resources, and yep. a lot of the players are, are professional players. They uh, wheelchair rugby is their form of career, and in New Zealand, unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. A lot of us are, are working, uh, like myself, and and we just train outside of work and and get together a couple of days a month for for team camps. So, in terms of opportunities and and resources, I think we punch well above our weight. Mm. And um, we had a really really competitive last game at the World Champs against Great Britain, who. Uh, that was for seventh and eighth place, um, and we narrowly lost. But the year before, they won the Paralympics, so they went from from first in the world to, to wow. playing us for seventh and eighth. So that nice. just kind of paints the picture of of how competitive that top eight uh, that top eight pool is. Yeah, awesome. We've got uh, Gareth Lynch, Brad Smaler in studio. If you've got any questions, you can text them through on double eight double three. They're here to talk about the Wings for Life World Run, which we are going to get to very, very shortly. I do want to talk to you gents about that. Uh, we do have to take a quick break though, so uh, we'll take a short break. You can text on double eight double three. We'll talk about the Wings for Life World Run after that. Just got one thirty here on Afternoons. We have uh, Gareth Lynch, Brad Smaler in studio, two very inspirational individuals, and uh, it's been fascinating talking to them over the last 25 minutes or so. Lads, you're, you're in here to talk about um, the Wings for Life World Run, uh, which starts at 11pm on Sunday. It's going to be a late start. Um, the biggest world run uh, to take place. got hundreds of thousands of people around the globe, and I understand it all starts at the same time. Is that right? Everyone, everyone yeah, goes at the same time. That's why we got gypped with the 11pm yeah. Sunday night start. Uh, Didn't think of old New Zealand, did they? Well, I mean, there's a couple that might be a little bit worse. You've True. got, I think, Hawaii's like 1am or something like that. And mm. then you've got, I think, uh, the West Coast of the US would be at like 4am, Yeah, I think. And then Florida's like 7am. So I think... Yeah, Wings for Life being based in the uh, in Europe, uh, I think, is it? And then so, I think you know, obviously, it, it was kind of you know just trying to find the best times for to fit in the whole world. And so yeah, it's it seems you know it's a bit off putting you know going out Sunday night 11 p.m. But honestly, I've had so much fun with it in the previous years. There was first year we did it, which was me and just a couple of friends doing it out on our own because that's the thing with this is you can go and join a location run. Um, like we'll have at West Haven Marina um, mm-hmm. here in Auckland, but then you can do it on your own using the app, and it'll tell you, you know, when the catcher car is kind of, you know, catching up with you, and when your run ends. Um, but we were running just around Takapuna, um, around Lake Pupuki and stuff, in the pouring rain, 11 p.m. Like I think we finished it like after midnight, and it was just such a blast. Like I, you know, you you'd kind of. I don't know, turn your nose up at that sometimes, but it's when you get into those situations and you know, you know what you're doing it for. Yeah. All my buddies are there rallying around me and that's what makes it so awesome for me when, I, when I've done it. And then um, in the previous years to get a whole group of people together and, you know, we've had I think over 100 people joined us in the last couple of years. It seems to grow each year um, starting under the Harbour Bridge there at West Haven Marina and just uh, get amongst it. Yeah, great. So West Haven uh, Marina, or you can uh, is there, there's an app, isn't there, that we, we can get involved with yeah. if you want to run. And so Gareth, t- t- talk us through what actually happens. So everyone starts, they start running, but there's there's a car trying to chase them down. Is that right? Yeah. So there's a down at the marina. There'll be a, a loop uh, just over two k set up, and uh, you'll be doing your laps, and there'll be a, a 
a virtual chaser car that that speeds up slowly mm-hmm. over time so no matter how fast you can run eventually the car will will catch you and your and your run will be over mm-hmm. but yeah really looking forward to having a blast and it, it'll be a fantastic event i think it's it's amazing seeing the top guys and, and women that do I it. was going to say how how long do they last oh you, you like i my buddies drive down to Miami to go and do it there. They've driven all the way back to Orlando and they're still watching the guy like wow. who's leading it. I think he did, was it two marathons in wow. one go? It was like Jesus. ridiculous, 60-something or 80 kilometers or something wild like that. But it's, um, yes, <laughs> some of them really push it. I think me and some of my buddies did maybe 16Ks last year. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends who was doing it with us did his first half marathon just because he was just so in the in the zone was he prepared to do a half marathon or just just (laughs) that's probably the way to do it to be honest so you don't think about it you're just running yeah yeah nice um and look it's all obviously to raise um awareness and funds for spinal cord research um and i know you've sort of touched on this both of you we we i guess is is the research chat so obviously there's no cure yet but there's hope that in the future um we're going to be able to to treat the conditions you guys you know might be able to regain some function where's it sort of at at the moment I mean, it, yeah, it's a very complicated thing to try to fix. Um, you know, you end up with things like scar tissue building up, which is kind of comes in to protect, um, protect the body because when the spinal cord is injured, it actually releases a toxin that starts killing the cells around it, mm. and it would continue to spread if um, the scar tissue didn't build up around it. But then the scar tissue then stops the nerves and fibers and everything from being able to reconnect so there's kind of multi layers um with it and that's what's cool about wings for life organization is they you know they have kind of their their main um projects that they're funding and then also kind of have a collection of ones that they'll they'll put money into and sort of looking at it as a collaborative approach like you know some of them may be working on okay how do we get the nerves to grow and reconnect uh, others are like, okay, how do we break down that scar tissue and and remove that? And um, and then there's also, you know, there's there's kind of two angles at it. There's fixing the injured cord, and then there's the idea of using technology to bypass it. So you know, you've got like Elon Musk's like Neuralink mm. type stuff, or kind of the idea of like Bluetoothing the signal around the the injured cord. And so you see a lot of you know different projects being funded, but. Um, yeah, it's something that, who knows? Um, I believe it's something that will happen in my lifetime. Um, you know, and, and it might be something that initially benefits people that, um, you know, they can be treated directly after the injury. Yeah. So that may not, you know, help Gareth or I at the, uh, initially, but then there'll be, I believe there'll be other projects that come through that, um, you know, and, and to me a cure is regaining a bit of function in my arm, being able to feed myself again or mm. push myself in a wheelchair anything that regains independence but um yeah i think it's going to be something that evolves over time but um it's it's getting really exciting it's getting close uh closer each you know each year each time i get updates it seems like we're getting closer and closer so mm. and you've got the same sort of hope as well gareth that yeah we'll it get would, there it would, it would be fantastic just such a, a life changer to just to have a little bit more function uh obviously brad and i have different uh injuries and, and different capabilities but just a t- tiny bit more function would just unlock a whole lot of um a whole lot of yeah opportunities that that we can't currently um 
undertake now because of our our disabilities and, and limitations there. But yeah, there's a there's p- talks of of potential uh, cures and and remedies, but there's there's no one size fits all treatment at the moment. And yeah, further research and and awareness around these things is is really really inspiring and and hopefully the future involves gaining gaining function and people mm. not having to to live uh with paralysis and and loss of sensation even forever. the pain that comes with it yeah, you know? yeah even that would be a win like there's a whole bunch of other uh symptoms and a lot of them invisible like you you can clearly see that that Brad and I use wheelchairs but yeah a spinal cord injury uh, comes with a lot of other uh, symptoms and stuff like uh, loss of function of your bowel and bladder has a whole range of, of complications, mm. neuropathic pain that yeah is invisible but really affects your quality of life. So yeah, yeah all of these um, different symptoms potentially have options of of tr- improving the way that they're currently being treated. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, you can check out Wings for Life World Run. I encourage everyone to have a look. I've got a website here. It's uh, www.wingsforlifeworldrun.com forward slash Ian forward slash locations forward slash Auckland. So go and hit that link. Um, check it out. Do people have to sign up or do they just show up on, on Sunday evening? Yeah, so you sign up. I think it's it's about 30-something dollars, uh, New Zealand dollars to, to join. And, the amazing thing is 100% of that goes toward the funding, so it's not like they're cutting into half of it to put on these events, and that's what's really cool with having Red Bull as, as a kind of um, partner of the Wings for Life Foundation is they come in and they help activate these events, mm. um, which means that all of the funding can go to um, spinal cord injury research. And you can join a team. Um, one thing, a, a cool feature I saw that they added this year is as a team captain, so I've got Team B-Rad, um, <laughs> nice. I, can, I can actually record my own um, encouraging prompts that will then be played to people using the app throughout their, their run, and I'll be like, you know, I could take the piss, I could you know, make some jokes, I could just yeah, throw some dangerous. encouragement. And, um, so I'm looking forward to recording those. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Sunday, uh, 7th of May, 11pm, like I said, check out that website. Um, you know, donate. It's it's a great cause. It's been fantastic catching up with your boys. Um, really inspirational story. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's an awesome um, project and, and event coming this Sunday. So, uh, Brad, Gareth, thanks for coming in studio. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Cheers, Sam. That's been cool.